0: So ant facts, are you as fascinated by ant facts as I am?
1: Uh, I'm going to have a real hard time not being like a, a hipster guy in this one. Like I liked ants before they were cool. Like I've loved ants ever since I was a little kid. I wanted to be not just an entomologist, but a myrmecologist, someone who specifically studies ants. I had the ant farms. Oh. I had plastic models of ants that were clear so you could see all the little gutty works inside and how their bodies worked. I had Sim Ant, the Super Nintendo game where you play Wait, Sim They City, made an ant, ant
0: version of the oh, Sims?
1: Yes. No, not only did they make Sim Ant years and years and years ago, but they also have a new game that's kind of I don't know if it's in beta or what, but uh, it's a game called Empires of the Undergrowth which is a modern version of SimAnt where you play a ant colony and you have to like, it's like a age of empires type game, but instead of playing Mm -hmm. an empire, you play ants. And so I freaking, yeah, I love ants.
0: What about, what about the Woody Allen movie ants?
1: Um, sure. Yeah. Stallone is an ant. Woody Allen is an ant.
0: Even ants? Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters, but I would like to think I liked it because...
0: Their hyper-realistic faces really creeped me out. Yeah,
1: it was a little weird.
0: It it was definitely Uncanny Valley.
1: Uh, So how about you? Are you fascinated
0: by ants or are
1: you grossed out by the creepy crawlies?
0: I'm both fascinated and grossed out. I... I can gag over nothing like anything, even slightly gross is enough to make me go. Um, And when I see that ants have infested my kitchen or my food, or it's like they got in, it's an automatic gag for me. Um, So I am afraid of them. I, I do think it's gross when they swarm over everything, But I also respect their power.
1: Yeah, it's good. Good to respect the ultimate power.
0: On that note, let us begin. Let's do it. are necromancer Necromancer. my name is shira and i'm a fan of romantic comedies
1: my name is brett and i am a fan of horror movies
0: and together each week brett and i pick a horror movie we pick a rom-com we make each other watch those movies and then we flip-flop them around and we remix them in the other genre and we have a lot of fun while doing it this week, we are continuing the theme of the apocalypse, movies that happen during the end of the world. And Brett has chosen Phase 4, directed by, is it Saul Bass? Boss? Bass? I Saul I Bass Guitar?
1: I didn't even think about it. I Saul Bass is probably how I would think of it in my mind. I didn't even think that there's multiple ways to pronounce bass.
0: I'm assuming it's bass, but you know, in context, who knows. Uh, and you were really excited about this movie. Tell me more about what brought you to it.
1: Uh, I was just goo I can't remember what I was googling, but I was just looking for some kind of movie and I found Phase 4 on a list of movies. Maybe it was apocalypse movies or something but it said something about ants and i was like wait a minute what this movie's about giant ants or something i like i had no idea what it was about so i was like well i really like ants and i've never even heard of this ant movie i'm just going to watch it and like right away the movie starts with what if like 2012 were the polar vortexes shift and there's some kind of end of the world scenario what if that happened but it didn't happen on a grand, you know, Michael Bay, uh, like destruction level. Who's the guy who directs, uh, Roland Emmerich. What if it, what if it wasn't like a Roland Emmerich 2012, this This eclipse happens and then the entire world just goes to shit. What if the eclipse happened and the change was so small that only ants notice because they perceive the world differently than us. And I like automatically I was like, holy shit, this movie was meant just for me. (laughs) Like this movie is incredible. And the fact that they like, there's, there's moments of, uh, there's moments of spaghetti Western because it's got like these grand epic exterior shots of these characters driving and walking around doing stuff. But it's also got this like silent film type stuff where anytime you go into the ant nest, it's got this like, silent film staggered kind of quality where like every so many there's definitely
0: a narrative with the ants yeah
1: and then it's got it's got this like michael crichton hard sci-fi approach to what it would be like to communicate with another species of super intelligence and it's got this arrival-esque thing where you have to like be learning languages and patterns and then I like all of this stuff just came together in this movie that I I'm always fascinated when a movie like this that came out in what like in the seventies? Yeah it, it influenced or or has DNA in all of these movies that I like. So I was just immediately overwhelmed by how much I love this movie. Um <laughs>
0: Uh, I wouldn't say I loved this movie. I I don't. It, there were ways it didn't work for me. My feelings aren't passionate hate. Um, but I didn't get the spaghetti western vibe at all. It's just it's not like a whole thing. It's just there's two scenes. I think
1: I could I could go back and watch it and point it out. But there's just like this this almost and like it's got this giallo esque synth score but only for like these two minor this score scenes. is cool ah uh, i love the movie uh yeah it just it had everything that i wanted oh and it's procedure porn to the max there's like entire sequences of this movie that are just pressing buttons and flipping switches and that's right up my alley man
0: Right. No, I mean, you got to see the controlled experiment. And then um, James, I, they don't say what kind of scientist he is, but it seems like he's a data scientist. He's, and
1: he's like a, a chaotician mathematician type, Ian Malcolm prototype.
0: Something like that. And then um, Hubs is just a straight up Loomis.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've got a Loomis as like one of our main characters. Oh come
0: on. Yeah, but for me I felt like the ant narrative, the ant cinematography, everything where the ants were center stage for me was just more compelling visually and and from a story perspective than anything going on with the humans. Like it felt at least for me like I mean, maybe that was intentional to give the ants center stage and to make the ants as this evolving civilization more compelling. But I was kind of bored by the scenes with the scientists compared to seeing the ants evolve.
1: I was endlessly fascinated by how they approached the situations that they found themselves in. I thought this movie didn't do it to the level that Ender's Game did, but Ender's Game, the book, is one of the few books that I've read in the past so many years. And that book is super fascinating because it really does a great job of putting you in the mindset of someone who's smart and walks you along the step-by-step process of how they would figure out a difficult situation or problem. And this movie doesn't do that, but I think James's character has elements of that where he's faced with this unsurmountable mountain of communicating with another species that has just gained super sentience. And he has to try to figure out how to communicate with them. And his process of doing that, you kind of get to see the little baby steps he makes. And, you know, there's moments where he goes like, I factored in some other things. Don't worry about it. And it's like, I like that he kind of explains some things. But then he's like, I don't have time to explain everything to you. But you get the sense that he's really smart and he's good at figuring things out. And I like characters like that.
0: I just I wanted I wanted all ants all the time or more from the the scientist story.
1: Books, right?
0: Yes. If I mean, I, like, I like, I like books and film and book to film adaptations.
1: If you like books, there's a book that I read as a kid when I was fascinated by ants. Of course it's called empire of the ants. There might be two, there's a, there's a movie called empire of the ants, but they're, they're not the same. Um, but all. it's
0: an ant narrative,
1: but there's, there's, I think, I can't remember if there's two or three different narratives going on in the movie, but one of them is about a scientist who's communicating with the ants as they grow. And one of them is about an individual ant. So part of the book takes place from the ant's perspective as this ant has to, I I can't remember what it was, but I have to, I should go back and reread it because it was really cool. Just the fact of like, I like books or, or things where it puts you into someone else's perspective. And then it like, I would never even have thought of doing something like that. And like, if I was an ant, of course I wouldn't, I'd be thinking of things from a people perspective, but then it's weird to think like, oh yeah, that would make much more sense to do it that way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, again, I think that the one thing that for me really worked about this movie was the way that they created a narrative around the footage of the ants. And then the footage of the ants was really spectacular. And I think I was reading that they used this nature cinematographer who had already done a documentary or something where he'd filmed ants up close. But I just... The things that... I don't know if they just got the ants to do some of these things or they observed them doing these things and and had to do a lot of footage before they got the right shots but just the way that they were able to put together a narrative and then all of this close up footage of the ants was just incredible
1: yeah when the ants start communicating to each other and then like bringing that yellow stuff back to the queen to <laughs> adapt and like I agree, man. Like I was totally with the ants the entire way of just like, I, even if I didn't understand a hundred percent what the movie was going for and like, oh, this ant is talking to this ant about this stuff. But like you could, you get the fact just from showing ants that they are communicating, they're working together, they're problem solving, they're, you know, they're, they're weaponizing, they're, they're doing all this stuff. And you didn't need a silly voiceover or CGI ants to do overly complicated stuff. You just like, Oh the gosh, CGI
0: would have yeah. ruined this movie, but I mean, the technology wasn't there. All right. But well, it's
1: far superior to, like, <laughs> yeah, the, cinema, the yeah. cinematography in this movie is, <laughs> is beautiful.
0: Should we, should we tell the kids how the story goes then?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. So there is a cosmic event and I think it's the planets aligning. They don't, they don't, they're not specific, but this change causes ants essentially overnight to evolve into a higher intelligence and ant on ant violence ends, which if you didn't know this, ants can enslave other ants and often different species of ants are at war with each other, but totally done. It's a, it's
1: fascinating to me that ants are this eusocial insect colony that can problem solve these crazy engineering feats without and like foraging for food. They can do all of this without a central leader or like language. Of course they have a leader.
0: It's the queen.
1: Oh, we're going to get into that. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to me that ants can work together to do all of this impossible stuff. And yet ants are also like part of the insect world, which is one of the most brutally violent worlds going on in on earth because insects are fucking brutal. They just, they eat each other alive. They do like, they do everything they can to just fight each other. So even
0: though nature is a bitch colonies
1: (laughs) work so well within it's one colony, but colonies together, they just, they fight endlessly so i thought it was cool that like yeah what if all the ants just teamed up
0: right so that that's step number one step number two is conquering their common enemies and in arizona this massive ant colony composes composed of all these ant species has driven all the life away including most of the people And that's when Dr. Ernest Hubbs and James Lesko come in. They're two scientists who remain in the area to study the ants. They've got their own shiny little metallic dome. And they observe the ants have made crop circles and built towers, or as I call them, ant Mm. high-rises. And they then make the terrible decision of knocking the high-rises down uh, which, of course, makes the yeah. ants angry. Not
1: James. James doesn't do it. The other one does. Yeah,
0: J- James James is a pacifist, and right. that'll help him later. Uh, so the other remaining humans are the Eldridge family. Grandpa and Grandma Eldridge are murdered by the ants, while Kendra Eldridge, their granddaughter, is able to hide. Uh, Hubs and Lesko discover her when they go to get some ant samples, and they invite her back to the base, which a bad decision because Kendra's got a little bit of a grudge against the ants that killed her grandparents. And she ruins the controlled experiment on the ants uh, to demonstrate their intelligence by breaking the glass maze in which they're encased. They have to leave the room. Hubs douses the ants with a yellow chemical. Uh, but then the ants are able to carry the the chemical back to the colony and they develop an immunity.
1: Dude. I, maybe it's just like the, the, the pothead in me or something. But like when that happened, I was blown away when the ants weaponized the yellow stuff and started making ants that were immune to it. I was like, this movie is, is, Oh my God. It's for me, man. Like,
0: that Again, was this is so cool. This is another chance for us to cut to the ant's point of view, where I think visually the film is the strongest. Yeah. Where you see one ant carrying the little bit of poison, and then that ant dies, and then another ant from the colony comes and takes it from him, and then the cycle continues until they are able to bring it back. And then you literally see the queen poop out a yellow egg, which is supposed to be the first um, immunized ant. So, again, a lot of ant action that is without narrative that they're able to create a narrative around. That's movie-making, folks.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So... Then Kendra wants to be evacuated, but Hubs won't let anybody leave. Like any crazy doctor, the first thing he does is shut down communications and lie to everybody about the fact that they're going to get evacuated. Uh, So
1: he lies about the fact that they're going to get evacuated, but the ants shut down communication. They use their bodies to conduct the electricity in the communication devices and fry it.
0: Oh my god,
1: this movie! I love it.
0: So, meanwhile, Lesko he's convinced that he can learn the ants' language and communicate with them because math is the universal language. Oh, that was so cool when he just makes a square. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, this is this is very much a Brett movie. <laughs> Uh, And then the ants use their broken tower to reflect the sun at the base and raise the temperature, not unlike a kid using the sun to kill ants with a magnifying glass. I thought that that was some poetic justice for the ants. Uh, They remember. Uh, So then Lesko is able to fight back using sound waves. Uh, I didn't exactly understand what what was going on in that scene but they they're able to to get a ceasefire essentially uh but then the ants as you said they short the computers and basically there's nothing that people can do to stop them they just have to wait kendra she thinks the ants are mad that she caused them to be attacked with chemical weapons so she goes outside the dome to sacrifice herself Then Hubs, who has been poisoned by ant bites on his hand, is delirious but insistent that they have to kill the queen. He goes out into the desert where he falls into a pit and the ants immediately kill him. Yeah, they like Uh, bury him alive. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, now Lesko gets to have his little Charleston Heston moment where he's like, God damn you. Yeah. Uh, Now it's just James. uh, And he searches for the queen. He comes upon the colony. Weirdly, the colony has an opening. It's a perfect square that's big enough for him to step inside. Uh, And then he looks at a pile of sand and sees fingers reaching up through it. And it's Kendra. They realize that the ants wanted them all along, that the ants want to not destroy the human race, but adapt it. Uh, and then Lesko and Kendra await their instruction.
1: Yeah, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to argue a little bit with a wait instruction and say That's that
0: literally it, his last thing that he's waiting for their instructions.
1: Yeah, but it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, the, so this movie has like a 20 minute uh, alternate ending. What? So, so when I bought it, it's on it's on Amazon Prime for everyone I, to watch for free. I
0: did not know that there was an alternate ending. I watched it on Hulu and there that was it.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's on it's great that it's on Hulu and Amazon because I think more people should watch this movie uh, but when I was reading about it, I was like, oh shit, there's an alternate ending. And then I found the alternate ending was on iTunes. So I bought it on iTunes and I was like, this alternate ending is going to be amazing. And then like, okay, first of all, like at least 10 minutes of the alternate alternate ending is just backtracking and showing you the
0: More last ants. 10
1: minutes of the of the movie. So it's just the same 10 minutes and it's like, last time on phase four. So it's like, all right, so I got to watch 10 more minutes of this footage. I just watched. Okay, whatever. Uh, But then the alternate ending is much more about how the ants kind of become our overlords and enslave us. Whereas I personally like the theatrical version, which my interpretation is more of, like you said, it's more of a working together, joining forces, these two species, like what if humans could communicate you socially the same way ants do? And we could kind of like work, start working together more. Um, I thought it, I thought it was a lot more optimistic to end the movie the way they did.
0: So in the alternate ending, the ants destroy the world.
1: Pretty much humans basically become like their slaves and, yeah, they, they, they essentially just take over, which is also cool. But that's more of like the B grindhouse version as opposed to the hard sci-fi, like theoretical, what if philosophical version. I, I like how this movie ends. as is. It
0: definitely has a hippy dippy 70s ending.
1: Yeah, it's got some 2001 Space Odyssey elements of like the grand voyage at the end and transcending space and time and consciousness and i don't know
0: i just couldn't believe that they had the audacity to begin this movie with a a, a slow float in through space and then almost 8 minutes of just pure anton ant action
1: yeah uh yeah the the beginning of the movie is the eclipse right like the eclipse happens and yeah you
0: float into space you see the eclipse and then you watch eight minutes of ants
1: i could not think of a more fascinating beginning to a movie that is about super ants like oh man so i definitely like this movie is not a movie like some other movies I can think of, like Mandy or Under the Skin. Like th- These are movies that I love, but I can't recommend them because it's like they're not for everyone. I can't recommend Mandy to everyone because most people just wouldn't like it. But They're
0: peculiar and specific in their point of view, and I think that that can be really alienating, but it also can make the few people who do click into it really happy. I think that there is absolutely a place for movies like phase four for movies like Mandy. And I think when I was reading about phase four, the director of Mandy, who also did beyond the black rainbow, he cites this movie as an influence.
1: Oh, like right away. I could, I could totally understand that. I didn't see that connection. Like, I didn't because I, I looked up a little bit on IMDb and Wikipedia and stuff, so I didn't see that the Mandy guy referenced this, but like for sure, they're definitely two of the same kind of vibes. Um, but yeah, I did, like if you go on to Amazon or something and you look up any of the, the reviews for this movie, they're all five stars because, of course, anyone who remembers this movie from 40 years ago is, and is going to go on Amazon and rate it. Like, they're, of course, they're going to be biased to already liking it. No one's going out of their way to give this a two-star review.
0: I want to read the two-star review, and I <laughs> hope it says something like, too many ants.
1: Too many ants. <laughs> I <know>. don't <laughs> like them. Why are there so many of them?
0: No, I I think of that because there's some, like, have you ever read a bad review that either you you ignore it because of the tone of that review or... Um the content like whenever I get a review on a restaurant and they're like their bathrooms weren't that clean, they didn't have a server. I'm like, all right, that's just whatever. Tell me about what the food was. And then if it's a review of something I like, oh, there are too there's too much ants, or there was too much sex, too much romance. That to me is an indicator. Oh, this person isn't like me, and I'm going to like this thing.
1: Yeah, you you definitely have to read each review for what it is, and and try to decide on your own. Like, wait a minute, is this person so uncalibrated from my point of view that all of their negatives are my positives? Because that's right. I, I feel like this movie. If I if I could just make ten random people watch it most of what those people would find annoying or stupid or boring or, or whatever are things that I found endlessly fascinating about this movie. Um, so yeah, it does make it hard to watch, but the moment I watched it, I was like, Sonia, do you want to watch this movie with me? And cause she likes watching movies that I like. Cause I like them and she likes me and she was like, eh, I'm going to pass. And I was like, understandable. Uh, in that case,
0: I'm going to make sure you watch it. finally we get to the essence of what this podcast is really about
1: (laughs) yeah i just wanted to to, i i I watched this movie i was i watched it four times in the past two weeks i'm fascinated with it i love it and it's like i don't know a single other person who's seen it so i was like i just want to have a conversation about it i just want to gush about it
0: I absolutely had not heard about this movie until you brought it up to me. Uh, and I don't even think I knew who Saul Bass was until I looked into him and saw that he had worked with Hitchcock on a lot of things. And um, it was it was sad to hear that this was his only movie that he directed. And because it flopped at the box office, he never directed anything else. Um, but... He does have a really artistic eye. And I think that, again, the footage, the narrative around the ants was incredible. I have to ask you, what did you think of the Mantis fight?
1: Oh, it was so odd. Like, just the visuals of this ant scout in this foreign world of electronics and how like sci-fi it was. Cause it was like, they were in space, like on a spaceship, but they weren't in space. They were just in Arizona. I don't but, know. It like, kind of
0: gave me Kung Fu vibes. That might've been the spaghetti Western moment
1: for me. Uh, could be, but like, yeah, then when the ant and like, you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. The ant, the, the, all the, the, the ants got out and the praying mantises got out. And so like, Oh yeah, it's cool to see this ant on a mission. And we don't really know what the mission is but then we get to see the ant taken out. But then it's like a twisty twist because that ant was more or less bait for the praying mantis. And while the praying mantis is eating this ant's brains, another ant pulls him into an electrical circuit and fries the whole thing. And it was like, Oh man, it was, oh, I was just so cool. <laughs> I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I, um, I have an ant colony at work that I feed, uh, they're they're the girls right because all ants are girls pretty much so wait
0: i i had no idea
1: oh shira yeah ants wait, are girls what, wait
0: where are the male ants
1: the old the male ants are only born at around mating time and they're they're winged right the only winged ants are male ants and queen young queen ants and then the male ants and the queen ants fly up in the air they do the business and then they land and like most male species in the animal kingdom or especially the insect kingdom once the males get done mating they die and that's it they just
0: oh wow this is really this is really gonna mess up my my remix
1: so when you see the queen when you see any soldier ants or, or worker ants basically every single ant you see outside is a lady ant so when you see bugs life or ants or anything like that, where the where the ants are guys or bee movie bees are the same. All of those should be played by women. Uh, all insects or all all ants and bees are pretty much women. They're females.
0: Um, You've blown my mind. I yeah. feel like I feel like this should be a scandal. This should there should be a spotlight on this because we have erased women from our bug narratives.
1: Yeah. And one of the other things that I don't like is how we refer to the queen ant as a queen ant. I think language is a very powerful tool, right? And and, in modern day society, there's a lot of nitpicky stuff about like, oh, well, you can say this word in this context, but you can't say this word in that context. And it's like, yeah, words are very powerful, right? Like one thing I heard was if if people refer to work, like when you go to work, if people refer to work as exercise, they can actually lose weight. Not a lot of weight, but you people have lost weight by referring to work as exercise because the language it, it's powerful, and that's why I like to rival. is all about language, right, and communicating with aliens. Uh, I think it's I think it's dumb that we call queen ants queens because queen ants like how the how what's his name uh, um, like how hubs in this movie speculates the queen is giving out the orders the queen is not giving out the orders in some ant colonies they will tear off the legs of the ants queens so that they can't go anywhere because the queen only exists to make more ants. She is just an ant making factory. That's all she does.
0: So then who's who composes the ant leadership?
1: No one. It's a eusocial organism. It's a it's a collective consciousness. It's a it, no one's making the decisions when ants build structures or they they build bridges using their bodies to cross gaps or when they, when they make rafts, right, like we know ants in Texas, when it floods, they can make rafts using their bodies and stuff. When they're doing that, they're not getting orders. Hey, you, you become a raft. Hey, you, you do this. They just do it. And it's so fascinating that, like, they think so fundamentally different than a human would. And they do all this crazy stuff that it's awesome to think, what if we could communicate with them? And what if we could spiritually join forces with them? Uh, I think, again, that might just be the inner pothead in me, like, you know, take a puff and then like, whoa, man, like, what if we could combine with the
0: ants? But I don't know. um, I mean, Joe Rogan's in Texas now. Let's ask him.
1: That's right. He, yeah, he would, he would know or he would know someone who would know. But I, li- I like the ending of this movie because it kind of reminds me of one of the, f- one of the, 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 the powers of film is uh, one of the great films is Ghost in the Shell, right? We all know that. Right. Ghost in the Shell, one of the classic animes. When you really start to grasp the, the fact of what the, the evil machine program is doing in that movie – which is he wants to combine forces with the hero and combine consciousnesses because he knows that as a program he'll never be able to mutate and the, the, the future of mankind and the future of consciousness is all in evolution, right? Because that's how we got to where we, we got to. Like, if you are unable to evolve, then you're stagnant and you're basically just going to go extinct. You have to adapt or die, and so in Ghost in the Shell, they f- they fuse consciousnesses to, to, like procreate almost. And in this movie, we're fusing consciousnesses with an ant species, and so it's like humans, ants forming together. It's Ghost in the Shell, but the shell is an ant exoskeleton. I just, I mean, I'm really fascinated by it all of this stuff. So the fact that they could fit all of this philosophical, spiritual sci-fi stuff into a narrative, that's like, uh, to me, I found it compelling. I, I, I understand where you're coming from in that the human characters themselves weren't three dimensional and well-rounded and super interesting on their own. But I thought if you just look at it from an approach point of view, either you can approach things through violence and direct communication and impatience Or you can approach things through patience and understanding and all that. And, you know, the ants can tell the difference. They're like, hey, we don't want this guy, but we do want this guy.
0: Right. And yeah, no, this is more of a floaty, patient, slow burn type of movie than one where you're just hit with action after action after action. Of things that are going on it just it builds a lot more slowly yeah oh
1: and yeah this movie came out sort of in four phases in four phases uh this movie came out in 74 so it's not when did the cold like the cold war doesn't have an official start but the cold war was 80s ish so this is kind of like building up, ramping up to the Cold War. So I could see how this movie would definitely bomb in America because it's definitely got some socialist, communist-type vibes of, like... You know, the ants are basically communists, and they work together, and...
0: Are you saying that this is Red Dawn, but with ants?
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Like, but, you know, communism... Communism works in theory, right? And the the one element of communism that really puts a wrench in the whole thing is human nature. And so like ants are kind of an example of like, what if you could be a communist community where everyone just works together and shares everything and it's all for the greater good. But what if it wasn't corrupted by human nature and greed and desire? What if it was just sort of altruistic and you know, like there's some bad elements to that, but that's why they join up with the people at the end to, to, to take the good aspects of human nature and they get rid of hubs because he's the bad aspects of human nature.
0: I thought that was super cool. I don't know. Yeah. I still <laughs> think I, again, more, more ants would be better. I feel like after you had me watch seven, plus minutes of ants. I was ready for the ants to be the whole movie. In fact, I fast forwarded a little just to check because I wasn't sure if it was just going to be ants. Right. But I, um, I think I, I, I think I would have been along for that ride.
1: Yeah. W- when I got done watching this movie, one of my first thoughts was, uh, Jonathan Nolan and who's the, the lady Lisa or something. The the two people who do Westworld for HBO, Mm-hmm. I only saw the first season, but I was immediately thinking, holy crap, if these guys could do uh, an HBO West, it's Lisa Joy, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. If those two people could do a phase four for HBO, because what what Michael Crichton did with the movie Westworld and what they turned the show into is awesome. And so if what, That's and this true. is a very Michael Crichton-esque westworld e movie if they could take this movie and turn it into an hbo super high concept sci-fi twisty turny movie about two species coming together consciously like that i i agree i could i could use more of everything in this movie so if they made an hbo show of it i would be in pure heaven Sign me I up. Mean, I
0: mean, I'm game for pretty much everything HBO produces. I, I'm excited about uh, Raised by Wolves that just came yeah. out of the, the recording of this podcast. I'm definitely going to check that one out. So any final thoughts on Phase 4? Uh,
1: no, I just, again, this is one of those movies that is the Chris Farley show. I could just go on and on about every part of this movie and just how much I like it but in the interest of time and the fact that I'm very curious about your remake. uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think watch the movie. If any of this sounds interesting to you, watch the movie. It's free on HBO or it's free on Amazon and Hulu. You've got to have one of those too.
0: Yes. Most it's only an hour and 20 minutes. It is. It is nice (laughs) and short, which, you know, that's something that I love in a movie. I think movies made, today are just way too freaking long. Um, And then I don't, I don't know what kind, I don't know why they have to make Marvel movies so long. Marvel movies aren't that long.
1: I'm going to say Marvel movies usually sit around the two hour mark. Um, The Avengers, the Avengers ones do get a bit longer, but they got more work to do. Um, But like Michael Bay movies, Transformers have become so bloated. A lot of the DC movies are very bloated. I understand what you mean. A lot of the major blockbusters recently have been too bloated.
0: But yeah, like it's a blockbuster. It should keep me entertained for an hour and a half, not make me feel like my body aches from being in the same stress position for three hours. But I digress. I have one last question for you, Brett. Yeah. Who do you have a crush on from phase four?
1: Oh man. I know that you want me to say hubs because he's a total Loomis.
0: I, I'm, I'm open to any answer you want to give. I
1: freaking loved James in this movie, man. Michael Murphy's performance is great. I loved him. He's just like, Hey lady, who's a stranger. Who's in this top secret facility. You want to come over and watch what we're doing? Cause it's really interesting. And I'll just explain it to you. Cause why not? Like, just his whole persona, how he was, he was nice to her and he was suspicious of hubs. And he, he wanted to get like, he was so laid back too, where he's just like, Hey, I know that we want answers right now, but that's not how it works. We've got to take our time. We've got to make sure we don't mess up and we've got to wait for the ants to come to us. I love James in this movie, man. Michael Murphy was great. Uh, total crush. On James. He was hot. Yeah. How about you?
0: I'm going to say, since I'm team ants, my favorite was the green butt the ant. Green,
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that.
0: <laughs> I, I felt like for a character that was not an actor, that was an insect, the green butt ant did a lot of story moving.
1: Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, it's a little silly, right? Like this, I say this movie's hard sci-fi, which implies that it's a bit more realistic than uh, soft fantasy sci-fi of a star Wars, but ants in Arizona would probably be very specialized to Arizona. You wouldn't get a lot of different species of ants in Arizona, but I did, I did like how they were able to use different species to separate them. And the fact that they had this green ant um, as like a character in the movie. I, yeah, I, I agree. I thought that was super cool. And it was so cute. It was like this tiny little green ant.
0: Yeah, I liked when the green ant came up to Kendra and she was like, just go away. Yeah, And then the ant's moving their little, her little ant arms and it's like, no, I won't go away. No,
1: (laughs) one of us, one of us. So Um.
0: my, my rom-com. Actually, relies on the scientific mistake that everyone has apparently made, which is that there are male and female ant workers in a colony. Um, well, I, there are I male only... ants,
1: and male ants only exist to mate. So, based on your prompt, maybe we can work some of that into there.
0: Yeah, I think I think so. I think we might we might be able to finesse this to be a little bit more. Uh, scientifically accurate, but um the name of my rom-com is Antagonists.
1: Uh, I I also went the pun route, so I
0: <laughs> I, I can not help myself. I, I cannot I, say I just, anything. I just can't help myself. I I will reach for the low-hanging fruit. That's this podcast is not about perfect stories. In fact, if you are somebody who procrastinates, doing remixes would be a good way to get yourself out of that because right. you just have to write. Just write it. Um, so I just wrote antagonists uh, and I wrote it this morning. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Ernest Hubbs and James Lesko have come to the Arizona desert to study a rapidly evolving cross-species ant hive mind. All other people have evacuated except the Eldridge family. Meanwhile, in the kingdom of the ants, we learn that the ants are developing a way to—I didn't have another word for this. I just used "rat as a verb. Okay. When I, I say I know rat, what you, mean. Ta- you know what I mean. They're gonna—they're gonna possess the humans. They want to rat tattoo larger animals, and then we have Antony and Antina. Who are two ants that have volunteered to be the first to rat the humans? Maybe we can because it's a comedy. Maybe we can show the ants watching rat and getting the idea to do this um, because now they're they're self aware. Um, but um, so Antony and Antina they can't stand each other. Ugh. Um, but then the queen agrees to their mission, because in this in this version, again, the queen is an actual queen. Um, and Antina thinks that they should first uh, try it with the Eldridge family because they're less protected. But Antony wants to control one of the scientists. So they split ways. Uh, And then Antina successfully takes over Kendra and starts to learn what it's like to have the freedom of a human. So, you know, similarly to, did you ever read Frankenstein or watch the movies? Uh,
1: The movies. I think I read the book. Yeah, as a kid, Uh, I was big into the universal monsters. So, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: So Frankenstein's monster, after Frankenstein rejects him, the monster finds nice people who teach him how to speak French uh and you know, teach him real love of what it what it's like to to have kindness. And that's the kind of experience that Antina has. And then maybe we get some comedy out of it because she's trying to act like a person, but she's an aunt. So Kendra starts being really weird in front of her grandparents, kind of like the um the roach guy from Men in Black, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh except cute. Um mm-hmm. so Then Antony, he takes over James and he learns about Hub's plan to blow up the towers. So he tries to warn the ants and then they build up reinforcements and they send, uh, I called it a battalion, but I don't know what they would, what the ants would consider. But an ant battalion goes after the Eldridge family um, and then Antina tries to stop the ants from killing the Eldridge family. By doing so, uh, reveals that Kendra is being controlled by the ants, and then they run away. Uh, and Antina and Kendra, and that, Antina knows that it's all Antony's fault, so she goes to the lab. And so she's even more pissed off at Antony because he's caused her kind surrogate grandparents to go away. Dr. Hubbs lets Antina in. Because um, he's, you know, trying to get her to not tell anyone. Uh, But he also notices that she's being really weird. And then all hell breaks loose when Antina sees a mantis, which is, of course, the ant's natural enemy. And then she immediately smashes it with her fist. Hubbs realizes that she's an ant person. So Antony and Antina have to bind him and make him a hostage. Uh, And then they fight over their predicament. Maybe they argue about ant rights versus human rights. And Antina argues that as a human, she finally gets to be a woman, where in the colony, she's just a worker or a fighter. Only the queen really gets any action in this colony. Uh, And then, of course, all the sexy fighting leads to a confession and them kissing uh, and so now they're no longer antagonists and they find themselves at odd with the colony because they no longer want to live by colony rules. The ants have become more human-like and they desire individual freedom. Uh, so Hubs, they demand help from him. Hubs is fascinated by this ant to human Ratatouille deal. Uh, and he agrees to help if he can study them. Antony uses Lesko's technology to communicate with the other ants and demand safe passage, but the queen refuses. So the gang have to decide if they're willing to kill the queen to secure their freedom. There's a philosophical debate about love, the good of many, versus the good of few. Maybe the trolley problem is brought up. Uh, and then in the end, Hubs sacrifices himself so that Antina and Antony can escape. And then we see them riding off into the sunset in a pickup. And as their hands touch, the two ants crawl down their fingertips and then they also touch.
1: Aww.
0: And I- that's the end.
1: So are the, are the humans that Antony and Antina taking over, Do are they like ratatouille 2 where the 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 guy has his own free will
0: to do stuff you know i haven't thought that far into it but i feel like the more love stories the better so i wouldn't mind having two different couples get together in the same right. movie i gotcha okay but they're basically they're psychically bonded to their aunt people right And then I guess I guess they they still maintain enough of themselves to say, like, I like this person, too. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I I, yeah, I like the the Ratatouille aspect. That's a very rom-com friendly version of this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just I like the idea of the two ants having like a little moment at the end because we got all this great ant footage, but there was no ant love.
1: I mean, yeah. there was of
0: course the ant funeral when they laid out all their dead. Oh
1: man, that was so cool. <laughs> um yeah, more ant on ant love. I agree. Well, not 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 hardcore stuff though. I I like the I like the simple ant holding hand with other ants.
0: Relationships.
1: Right. Um so I am not proud of this one, but my title is Antidote to Loneliness. <laughs>
0: well you took a different ant pun that's nice
1: (laughs) so yeah we both went there we had to uh so mine's gonna start out in the past and there's some sort of you know like a, a celtic kind of group like a you know like stonehenge like wizard hats or something like some group that's doing something that's it's not religious but it could be conveyed as kind of like having religious tones They're doing some kind of ceremony and we don't really know what it is, but then they get interrupted. And so this is a, uh, this is a rom-com movie. We're going to go with the PG rating. So when they get interrupted, it's just broken up. It's, you know, maybe they're taken prisoner, but it's, it's nothing violent, nothing crazy. It's just, Hey, they were doing something involving stuff. And now they're, now they're interrupted. So then we cut to present day, and James is on a trip, right? He's a very lonely guy. He's all alone. He doesn't really have any friends. He lives in a city where he doesn't really know anyone. His work, he's very secluded at work. So he just doesn't really have any friends. He's very lonely. He's got a dead-end kind of job. I'm thinking of something like working overnight at a gas station or something. So he just feels lost in life, and he decides he's going to take a trip. So he goes on this trip to this place, and... And he walks around in the woods and he's thinking, if I go on this grand, you know, like in Wild, that movie Wild, where she goes on a hike and she finds herself. He's like, I'm going to go into the wild and find myself, right? Like, that's what people do, right? Well, he goes into the wild. Right, white people. My people. Uh, So he goes into the woods. He's walking around. And he sits down in this spot and he doesn't really know that it's supposed to be a solar eclipse or maybe he does know, but he's like, he doesn't really plan on anything for it. But he walks down, the solar eclipse starts to happen. And as it's happening, he notices this little shining thing in the ground and then he picks it up and it's like a little coin or trinket or relic that's kind of been buried in the ground, but not too good of a job of being buried. Like it was an accidental buried. And so he picks it up And then the relic shines from the light of the solar eclipse and it basks over him. And on the other side of the relic that he doesn't see because it was buried in the ground is an ant. And so now we have this spiritual solar eclipse thing where the ant mind melds in with the person, with James. So now we have the ant And James, and very much like your Ratatouille thing, I'm going to have the inside of James's brain is going to be like the inside of a Jaeger from Pacific Rim. And so it's like a a base, right? Like the inside of your mind is headquarters. So it's going to be like a base. And so James is going to be personified in his brain as himself, but the ant is going to be personified in James's brain as like a human-sized ant, And they have to work together to control his brain. And then they basically just get into wacky situations. And because this is a rom-com, we're going to go with a very curb your enthusiasm type approach. So I just have five little scenarios where a human and an ant would be discussing things on a social concept (laughs) level. So the first one is eating. I would think that, you know, like James would be very much like me where he's like, I'm not really into food. You you spend all this time preparing it and then you eat it and yeah, you might eat it and it might taste good, but then your body just uses it for energy and then you poop it out. Like I'm not really big into food and James would have the same thing, but an ant that just doesn't really have taste buds and eats dead carcasses or, or plants all day. Like, holy smokes the the ant lady in his brain would go nuts and would be like oh my god you get to have this kind of food and it tastes like this and like the ant would just be loving it oh and the ant's name is just a number right of course it'd be like 2306 or something
0: this kind of sounds like all of me with steve martin where he's possessed with this dead lady but it's the guy the and he's possessed by this female ant
1: i'll have to watch that because i i i, I haven't the seen
0: concept. it yet Gotcha. But uh, I love Steve Martin.
1: Uh, I'm thinking travel, right? He's got to travel back home. So the ant is have like... a road trip. The ant is like, holy shit, you're going to get inside a contraption and travel thousands of miles per hour at multiple thousands of miles of feet in the air? This is going to be one of the most exciting things we've ever done in our entire lives. And the guy is like... Uh, You might want to lower those expectations because, of course, the ant is like super excited. So the ant goes, you know, the ant's got to get a ride to the airport. Then the ant's got to check in. Then the ant's got to go through TSA. Then the ant's got to wait at the boarding area. Then the ant's got to wait to board. Then the ant's got to wait in line. Then the ant's got to wait in the jetway. Then the ant's got to, you know, wait in the aisle for a seat. Then the ant's got to wait in the seat to pull back. Then the ant's got to wait on the runway to take off. Then the ant finally takes off. And it's like, you don't really feel like you're going that fast. You feel like you're just sitting there and it might be a little bumpy. And then the ants got to wait for the end of the trip. And then the ants got to wait to get off the plane. Then the ant's got to wait for its luggage. Then the ants got to wait for the taxi or Uber to go home. Then the ants got to wait in the car to go home. And then what? <laughs> and then the ant finally gets home and the ants like, that was it. That was travel. And the guy is like, yeah. And the ants like that kind of sucked. Like that wasn't fun at all. I thought it would be really fun. So it's just very social stuff like that of like, you know, a person could be going through TSA acting super excited. And Mm -hmm. then we cut to the inside of their brain and the ant is like, we get to go on a plane. We get to go on a plane. And the TSA guy, like we cut back to the outside and the TSA guy's like, well, you're a crazy person. And then we cut back to the brain and the ants excited. And the character James is just sitting back in a chair at headquarters, like checking out, maybe like, I'm just going to read a magazine in my brain or something. Um, Then we do shopping, right? Like we can just have different shopping scenarios where the ant is overwhelmed with choices or the ant's like, why would you need this thing? Like that's such a useless thing. Uh, We can do entertainment. Maybe they go see a movie and they see like a Star Wars type movie and the ant's like, what was that all about? So the human's like, oh, you have no idea. So then they have to like go back and watch all the movies because the ant's fascinated. Because ants don't have narratives and stories and and art the same way we do so the ants like luke skywalker what who's that and so they got to learn about the skywalker saga So
0: fish out of water stuff
1: right and so maybe the human the human in the brain can go to sleep and the ant is absorbing all the information and then like we cut to the outside and a person's just sitting in front of tv with this glazed look over their face because it's like you know they're absorbing the content but also they're half asleep and so it can look like the brain is brainwashed or the tv is brainwashing them and they have a little bit of fun there and then maybe dancing like james doesn't like dancing because he feels weird and he's like i just move my body around to music it feels weird but the ant loves it because the ant's like i've only ever moved my body to accomplish my mission of helping and furthering the colony. I've never just moved my body in any way that I've wanted to, right? Ants act on very instinctual levels, right? They get pheromones and chemicals and and light sensors, and they react to all this in very reactionary ways. So the fact that that ant could dance would be very fascinating. So while all this is happening, we work on different curb and situations involving dates and friendship and family. And again, the guy works at a gas station overnight and maybe we have a running theme of these robbers who are going around robbing gas stations at night. Like
0: home alone types.
1: Right. Yeah. The wet bandits or the, yeah, the wet bandits. Uh, and so then maybe there's like some regulars who come in at night, some overnight people. And while the regulars are there, uh, the the bad guys come in and the bad guys are going to kill everyone because the bad guys have a, a an MO where they kill everyone, right? Like no witnesses, hardcore like yeah, we're going to go in and kill all these people, steal all the stuff from the the gas station, and get out. And so while they're going to kill the people, the ant and the human James in their brain, they 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 combine consciousnesses and because of that so anime right the human morphs into a half human half ant monster right that's still like human size maybe a tiny bit taller but it's like gyver right you said anime i totally stole this from gyver he just shouts like gyver and then he morphs into this bio mech power ranger character and the the it's a one-way trip so once aunt once 2309 and james morph they can't go back and so now they but they're they,
0: together now
1: right so they beat up the bad guys and it's very uh it's very ghost in the shell they've combined consciousnesses they've combined beings so Do they, they, they love they, each other right because they love each other and so now they've combined into this one superior being and then like uh like samuel jackson says in Pulp Fiction, he's just going to wander around like Kane and Kung Fu. The the new ant-human hybrid monster just walks off into the sunset and says like, I'm just going to go on adventures now. And that's, that's antidote to loneliness.
0: I never would have thought that this movie would make you create an interspecies romance between a human and an ant where they willingly enter into a fly scenario.
1: I may or may not be working on a script right now. That is basically this. <laughs> uh, Interesting. So, so when I saw phase four, it was like uh, I'm working on a movie that features a bug in a human combining forces. And so when I saw phase four, I was like, Holy shit this is definitely I mean it makes more sense, right I'm actively working on a script where instead of an ant it's a centipede but a centipede combines with a human and they get into antics but not antics centipede oh,
0: antics would have been another funny name. I did it write it that down from
1: for a title but then I thought antidote to loneliness so I
0: like it
1: yeah. So lots of different antics. Just uh, imagine just like a curb character having to explain human social scenarios to an ant. I think that would be very funny.
0: Definitely. No, I think, yeah, it's just all of that fish out of water humor.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah. So definite, this was definitely fun just to come up with the concept of ants, interspecies relationships. <laughs>
0: Yes. No, I, I, I really think that phase four has done a lot to further human and ant relations.
1: I think so too. And yeah, it's from the 70s. I never, I mean, I guess I should have thought that because I don't think this movie would exist nowadays, but you never know. Um, yeah. So if you are interested in this movie and you do happen to watch it, Don't be a stranger. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think, because I'm sure there's not too many people who have seen it. You can always reach out to us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com.
0: And we are the Necromancer Podcast on Instagram, as well as Necromancer Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Like us, follow us, message us like Brett just said, we would love to hear from you. We'd love feedback. If you prefer the old format where we just did two movies and one big episode, definitely let me know as this is a bit of an experimental phase that we're going through.
1: Yeah. And if you want any ant facts, just let us know. Because Sheer and I were trading back ant facts before, before the episode. So we, we have a, a very vast collection of super cool facts about ants. That would be great.
0: That's our next podcast. <laughs>
1: um so yeah, I'm curious to know if you if you sheared your love bite and made a, a thematic recommendation or if you just have something off the cuff.
0: I I breaded my love bite once again. This okay. is unrelated. Unrelated um to this film or the apocalypse. Uh recently as of the recording of this podcast, you could be listening later. Uh, There is a documentary series, Women Make Film, that started airing on TCM. And it caught my attention because I had watched the story of film which is also created by Mark Cousins several years ago. And one of the cool things Turner Classic Movies did was every episode that they aired, they'd air it with some of the movies that Cousins talked about in the documentary. And so they're doing the same thing for Women Make Film where they're airing episodes of the doc and then they are also broadcasting movies that are mentioned in those documentaries. And the thing that I like the most about this documentary is it's not about what it's like to be a woman in the film industry, which I think a lot of female artists are tired of answering questions like that when they want to talk about their craft. They want to talk about their films in the way that male directors get to talk about their films. So the concept for this documentary was to talk about the techniques of film, how to have an opening, what kind of, how, how can you open your film? What are the different ways you can open it? How do you set the tone? But the technique of making a film, telling a story, and then using the films, the movies of female directors to give examples to that. Because there isn't a one way that a woman makes a movie or a man makes a movie. For example, um, you know, a lot of the great rom-coms I like are directed by men like Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner couldn't make a movie like Catherine Bigelow. Who yeah, that's who I these- thought of. When, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, Ka- Catherine Bigelow makes these really frenetic and masculine And, you know, it's almost Michael Bay-like in sort of this fast-pumping action that she likes to deliver, which is completely unlike, you know, the movies that I'm often a fan of. But she's still a female filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's unfair to say, oh, well, Catherine Bigelow directs like a man. No, she directs like Catherine Bigelow. So. I really admire what this series is trying to do in spotlighting female directors. And I'm also learning a lot about film at the same time. I didn't go to film school and I actually think that Turner Classic Movies, the channel, is the best free film school that you could ask for. They're always playing great classics and now they've, you know, added this to their programming for the month of September, uh, Either if you watch it through TCM or you find it on your own, you're guaranteed to learn a lot and see some interesting movies.
1: That sounds a lot better than what the title suggests, which is just like a documentary about the history of women in film. That sounds, no offense, kind of boring. But...
0: I think you'd like this. I only saw the first two episodes. The first episode was about openings. So Mm -hmm. all the ways you can start a film from uh, floating in, plunging in, making it a mystery opening or one where you see a character revealed in pieces or an opening that just gets right into the plot or the narrative of the movie. There are are tons of ways that you can start a film. Uh, And then the second episode is on tone. And I imagine that it'll go through uh, the different pieces that make a good film.
1: Yeah. No, I, that sounds way better. Cause it's just like, Oh yeah, I am fascinated by movies and storytelling and want to make movies and tell stories. Uh, let's hear other people talk about the ways that the, the things that worked in their storytelling. Like, yeah, I'm all down for that. Yeah. Um, one of
0: the ways it was described by the documentary and the, cause Tilda Swinton is also narrating it. She says, this is, a film, this is like a film school where all the teachers are women, basically.
1: Right. Yeah. So a lot of women working together to make something, just like an ant colony is mostly women <gasps> oh, working there is together the tie-in! to make something. Um, my tie in is going to be way more direct, which is there's a little movie called Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. And the opening of that movie starts with a bunch of ants being massacred by a scorpion. And so uh, I have no connection to Mortal Kombat other than I watched the movie as a kid and I thought it was pretty cool. I watched it recently and I'm like, it's yeah, it's not a great martial art movie, but it is a good video game adaptation because it just embraces the ultimate silliness of a Mortal Kombat tournament for the fate of
0: mankind. That's a pretty low bar video game adaptations. It's an, it's an impossible adaptation.
1: Like Lego movie. How do you make a movie about Legos? It's an impossible adaptation. I think Mortal Kombat is a great adaptation of the game. The only problem is that the one area where it should shine, the martial arts, it's a nineties Hollywood martial arts movie. It's like, if you could get the people, I think the guy, one of the guys from the raid movies, is going to be Sub-Zero in the new martial arts movie. And that is... Chef's kiss. That is yes. <laughs> if you can combine the raid with the characters of Mortal Kombat, the yes, that is that is what remakes are for. Um, so I never liked the games. I think the games are terrible. And that's mostly because I'm not good at them. So
0: I'm just not I was never good at fighting games that are Marvel versus Capcom or Street Fighter. I just nah, yeah. I can't do it. I'm a
1: little bit better and more tuned to the fast paced 2D fighters, but I'm not good at them. I just like I just like the characters. So I like the characters of Mortal Kombat. They have some of the best character design. Like I could go. My mom's never done a Mortal Kombat thing, but she probably knows who Scorpion is. Right. Everyone knows who Scorpion is. Uh, palette
0: swaps, sub-zero
1: right uh and so i i just thought this movie was freaking incredible the animation is crisp it is one of the most violent things i've ever seen and i mean if we're name dropping the raid if we're talking about anime and we're gonna go like with ninja scroll i would put it right up there in terms of top tier ultimate gore fest people are just getting chopped up limbs are getting chopped off That's brains are getting gory. smashed it is super violent but I would go so far as to say the violence isn't gratuitous because the movie is all about working through the pain of life to stop evil and so it's got that grumpy they turned scorpion into a bit of like that grumpy hero of like I I was done wrong and turned into a demon fighter to fight in this tournament but I just want to get revenge on the people who wronged me and so I have to kill everyone. Because that's the world I live in. So, I think it's super awesome. You know, we live in a very violent time with very chaotic stuff happening. And, like, violence in real life? Not that good. Violence in anime and in movies? Oh, I, I, like, I love movies that just push into the violence and embrace it and go all out. This movie's so violent. And it's really cool. Oh, and... Uh, Joel McHale plays Johnny Cage so it's like
0: oh he's perfect for Johnny Cage
1: Johnny Cage Uh, and Johnny Cage is so funny he's so aloof the entire time not aloof I always use that word wrong but Johnny Cage is so perfect he's so oblivious the entire time to the fact that this is actually a mortal combat he thinks it's all like movie stuff but he's a really good fighter so he rolls with the punches Oh, man, it's so good. Uh, I really hope that they make more of these. I hope that there's a Sub-Zero one coming up. I hope that they do Sonya Blade and all that stuff.
0: So where can you watch it?
1: Uh, You probably have to rent it. I don't know if it's... It might be on, like, a DC streaming service. It's Warner Brothers slash DC um so yeah the the opening has a cute little gimmick of like daffy duck comes out to the warner brothers logo and then scorpion grabs him by the neck and he's like get over here so it's very it's very cute and then it becomes right away ultra violent
0: <laughs> sounds like a brat movie yeah
1: but i like that they didn't kill daffy duck i like that they just grabbed him by the neck and yanked him off screen i, I like i like the genre smash of ultra violent and Looney Tunes.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I guess that's all for today. I wish that I had an ant pun to sign off with. Do you got anything?
1: No, I didn't think of anything. I don't know antibodies. See, see, ant antibodies. On um, catch, catch your antibodies on the flip side. I don't know. <laughs>
0: something like that we'll we'll stick with that all right, we'll catch it antibodies on the flip side. <laughs> bye, oh no.